Southern Skies. Online Media. Playing Crazy Down Under's coverage of the 2013 Australian International Air Show is proudly sponsored by Jetride Australia, Oz Runways, Red Baron Adventures and Sennheiser. In conjunction with Avplan, a classic flight bag, Eco 2000 and World Flight Planner. Well, g'day folks and welcome back to Playing Crazy Down Under, episode number 101, the first of our Avalon 2013 series. At the end of a very uh, hot and humid day, I'm Steve Fisher and joining me as always is my co-host, Grant McCarran. How are you, mate? Hey, not bad, mate. How are you doing? Well, well we're pretty tired here at the end of uh, the first day. <laughs> but I think it's mainly been the humidity that's uh, sapped us today and uh, somebody else who uh, experienced that and probably doesn't like it because he's come all the way from Western Australia is uh, Ben Jones. How are you, Ben? I'm good. I'm good. Very tired after today, but I'm still good. First experience with that? Uh, with Avalon being dragged around by the PCDU juggernaut. First yeah, experience as media, yes. Yes. <laughs> well, we might talk about that in a minute. Now, ATC, Ben, you're here as well, and uh, we dragged you around today with uh, all sorts of... You were the pack horse today. I think we've done this to you many times before. Yeah, you'd think I'd learn by now, wouldn't you? No, oh, you do it so well, though. <laughs> and, of course, Anthony, the infrequent flyer. Simmons, Anthony, you're uh, sitting in this week as our resident editor and uh, general housemaid. Uh, yes, and I do a beautiful job, but they won't give me a frilly penny. No, the washwaller never wears a frilly penny. Thank oh, you. not fair. Now, of course, uh, this Avalon, uh, noticeably, guys, not so many aircraft here on day one, which I guess perhaps is not completely unusual, uh, although I, I actually think that uh, compared to the last time, uh, it's, it's pretty quiet out there at the moment now. The weather has been uh, shocking here in Melbourne today. We wouldn't credit it. We've had about five or six weeks of no rain, uh, dry weather, and uh, not a drop of humidity, if you like. And uh, today, well, actually, uh, the night before, uh, the heavens opened, the storms came over, and uh, that's made it hard uh, for some aircraft to come in. In, but it's also made it uh, pretty difficult for any aircraft that are there to uh, get off the ground and do any displays. They didn't kick any flying off until well, probably half past two, maybe three o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, it was quite late by the time they started. Uh, I do recall seeing uh, the Tamora Spitfire and the uh, Boomerang coming in together. That was quite a nice sight as the two did a pitch down the runway and broke for uh, landing. But they were immediately taken and parked up in the hangars due to the expectation for more rain coming along. So uh, it's supposed to get, uh, the, the weather's supposed to improve, by the end of the week so uh, we'll probably go from mud to dust within the next three days maybe four I think every official that's got anything to do with Avalon uh, today particularly the boss Ian Honnery in the opening ceremony this morning was uh, very apologetic for the weather but as he correctly pointed out I mean what can you do it's it's an outdoor event and these things happen yeah at least they had cover for most of the uh, interviews yeah that's very true now uh, I guess uh, today for us for the uh, PCDU crew it's uh, day one is really a day of getting out and getting you know meeting people handing out the business cards and organising interviews for the rest of the week and uh, we've, we've already got a pretty full calendar as it turns out unfortunately that means we didn't get as much uh, as many interviews are recorded as we would have liked today for the audio show we've done a fair bit of video work today however yeah that's right mate and uh, also done a heck of a lot of work to uh, set up the scenes and fill up the calendar as we were just saying uh, the next few days are going to be quite busy and it looks like uh, even the weekend's going to be pretty full and uh, that's just organizing stuff with the main folks like the uh, Royal Australian Air Force uh, media team the United States Air Force Pacific Air Force their media team once 
once again working with some of the same faces from last time. It was been great. And uh, catching up, of course, with uh, Victoria and uh, the rest of the folks on the team there. So, uh, yeah, really, uh, really looking forward to uh, what we're bringing in for the rest of the week, ranging from executive and business jets all the way through to uh, fast combat jets, heavy lifters, also some uh, GA work and some aerobatic performers, lining all that kind of stuff up, plus a whole horde of other content. So it's going to be a pretty busy week, I think. Absolutely. Now, of course, there were the audio interviews that we've got in this episode today. Grant, you caught up with John McCormick, the boss of the Civil Aviation Safety Authority. Also, uh, our video guy, Stephen Pam, uh, he decided to uh, grab the reporter's mic and recorded a great interview with the guys from Eclipse Aviation. Now, of course, uh, any of you that follow uh, aviation at all would know that Eclipse is uh, a pretty rocky road, Mm -hmm. but uh, it's good to see them here, and it's uh, certainly a superb-looking aircraft, and uh, Stephen's also shot some video in there, and that'll be coming up on the feed a little bit later in the week. Uh, We also caught up with Matt Hall to uh, talk briefly about his new display, and we saw him up in the air today, guys, and uh, he was doing some manoeuvres I've not seen him do before. In fact, I think he's been inspired by the F-22 Raptor pilots, the way he's uh, been flying it around. Timbo's tarmac, that also makes a comeback, and in the keyhole with Papa Smurf. So, guys, uh, let's get on with it. Sounds good. John McCormick, Director of Aviation Safety with CASA. Welcome to Plane Crazy Down Under. Thank you. Mate, something you mentioned just in the speech earlier, you own a Yak-50, yeah, so single-seat aerobatic. Yeah. Um, how do you get time to go flying that and juggling around everything that goes on at CASA? Yeah, well, the answer is at the moment I don't get time to fly that. <laughs> I haven't for some time, That's the, which, is a, which is a great pity. I'll get back to it. It's just, okay. it's, just it's been very busy the last year. Particularly. I can imagine, yeah, yeah. With everything that's going on. And, yes, there's a lot yeah. going on. We always, have, you know, we always have plenty of things. And of course, there's always more coming out of the industry we have to do, like yep. the certification of this helicopter. You know, so yep. we never wrote short of things to do, put it that way. And how, how much uh, personal involvement was it for you with the uh, the KA32? Oh, from my point of view, virtually none. You know, that, that is done by certification people here, witness yep. people, and uh, you know, then it comes comes through to me yeah, for the final, so, final signature. Yeah, yeah, I, I can't take any credit for this one. I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Back to the Yak 50. Yeah. How did you get to owning a Yak 50? What was the progress to get to there? Well, it's like they say, you know, I most probably don't need it and I most probably can't afford it, so I'm very lucky I don't have two of them in some respects, but it was for sale in Brisbane and, uh, and I was looking around for an aircraft. I didn't particularly want a single-seat aeroplane, but that didn't matter to me so much because most people that have two-seat aeroplanes fly by themselves a lot of the time anyway. You know, True. So, but so, so yeah. not too worried about the fact that it's just you up there and not able to share it with a friend type of thing? It's... Well, no, not really, but it is a bit antisocial, that's true. You know? <laughs> okay. I, would, I most probably would look at a, a, a two-seat aeroplane these days, but I'd also look for another Yak. You know, yeah. 52 or something, T- TW. Yes, yeah. the four, 400 horse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah something like that. that. A friend of mine has one of those and I go up yeah. in that. Yeah, yeah, friends of mine do as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah very nice aeroplane. You know, so they're all good aeroplanes. Yep. Tremendous control, harmony and uh, responsiveness and everything. Be extremely accurate with the Yak. I'm uh, so very impressive. For our audience, what's your flying background been to, um, to today? Uh, we uh, start the flight. Uh, well, I, I originally started with the Australian Air Force. In fact, uh, I suppose I started uh, in the old days of the, um, you know, the Air Training Corps. And I was lucky enough to have a flying scholarship from there for a private license at Royal Queensland Aero Club. And uh, I did a commercial myself, joined the Air Force, went through pilot training, flew fighters for about 13 years, uh, fighter combat instructor. Then I went off to Qantas for a couple of years. Uh, which was and then I went to Cathay Pacific Airways. And... Um, when I was there, I was uh, pretty lucky to you know, fly quite a few different aeroplanes and chief pilot quite a few different aeroplanes. And, and again, I was lucky enough to fly in the um, test program, the 777 uh, aeroplane, so I know that one pretty well. And, uh, yeah, and then uh, I uh, 
uh, wound up as a general manager operations for Cathay and flying the Airbus at 330 and the 340, 300 and 340, 600. So a lot of experience with the different uh, input methodologies, computer controls. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, you know, uh, I, when I first got to Cathay, I flew the TriStar. I was the chief check captain on the TriStar, and um, you know, because that was a very complicated airplane for its day. Extremely good airplane, but now you look at these aircraft; they're a bit, they're, they're cap- as capable, if not slightly more capable. But of course, they don't have anywhere near the weight of the old mechanical systems and analog systems, and you know, so you, you just go on, and yeah, it's the normal evolution. And how do you find all that backgrounds assisting you now in the role of uh, director of air safety at CASA? Well, the, yeah, the, from a CASA perspective, it's very wide and deep. You know, the industry is huge from well, what we have here, the helicopter side to the GA side to the, you know, the recreational side, all the way up to the A380, I guess, and, uh, and that sort of thing. So, yeah, it gives me an insight, but I don't, um, you know, I don't necessarily put myself up as an expert on, on any of these things. Most probably, uh, I can recognise things sometimes which I find somewhat strange, <laughs> shall we say. <laughs> Not that there's much of that, but you know. Yeah. Know what you mean. Director McCormick, thank you very much for coming on Playing Crazy. Yeah. Hopefully, you get, hopefully you get some time to fly that yak pretty soon. Yeah, yeah, and I hope the weather clears up and everyone gets to see, um, you know, a high show rather than a low show if they, when the flying starts. Indeed. That's what we're, yeah, thank you That's very what much. We're there for. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Thanks. Well, I'm sitting inside the cabin of an Eclipse 500 with uh, Heath Oakley from Airflight and Captain Mal Herman. Mal, you've been uh, flying this thing around the place and it's the first time we've seen it here. Uh, tell us a bit about uh, how it came to be here. Yes, it's a lovely little aeroplane. Um, we, we've had it with Oxley Aviation now for uh, close on four years and I've been uh, flying it for um, a bit over two years. Um, it's uh, run pretty much as a corporate aircraft privately and um, it's an excellent aeroplane to fly. It's uh, a bit like a jet-powered Baron for those uh, avid um, general aviation pilots there. But um, it, it'll get take us up to 41,000 feet rather than being stuck at 10,000 and we talk in terms of Mach number rather than in terms of uh, TAS. So a lovely aeroplane. Fantastic. And um, we'll probably, maybe we'll get onto the... Uh, flying characteristics a little bit in more depth a bit later but um, you talk about comparing it to say a Baron what's its um, sort of low speed handling and those aerodynamic characteristics like? Extremely similar. In fact, um, many people who have uh, flown jets in the past are uh, used to getting your, all the drag devices out and your undercarriage down early and getting the power up to around 80%. Well, this is um, almost the opposite. You pull the power almost right back at da- downwind and fly it like a glider. And it, as I said, it handles just like a baron, beautifully around the, uh, the corner. At high speed, the higher Mach numbers, uh, the controls get fairly stiff, but it's still very, um, very controllable. Okay. Um, Heath... Uh, so the 500 uh, that we're sitting in is actually, um, you can't buy them anymore because there's a bit of history behind uh, what, what happened with uh, the company that, uh, that uh, started making them and, and developed them. Yeah, it, unfortunately Eclipse Aviation uh, went bust a few years back. Um, what it's important to note is that the new Eclipse Aerospace has been born from the Eclipse Aviation um, dust, I suppose. Um, the same airframe, the same IP, um, the same engines are being used, but with United Technologies Group now invested in this company, it's become a much more stable and pro- produced aircraft, I suppose. So um, what's important to know is the Eclipse 550, which is now in production, is the new aircraft in Australia. Um, Airflight, myself, are representing that um, as 
sales and, and marketing in the region in Australia and New Zealand. Now, are there any 550s here yet? They're not in production. Okay. Uh, the, the first production is probably September 2013. And what US. number are we in the in the queue? <laughs> uh, Airflight have a slight for the first part of September, uh, first quarter of 2014. Okay. So right. hopefully not too far away. So hopefully someone that walks past today might uh, have a bit chunk of change in their pocket. Let's, let's hope so. <laughs> it's, it's very interesting when you talk about um, the history of the, the airplane um, uh, and we need to I think explain what happened to the uh, Eclipse Aviation in the, um, the first instance. The concept is absolutely fabulous and you can see that with the, um, the 550 that's coming out now but they started getting produced in uh, 2007 and as all your listeners will uh, know, uh, 2007 was a global financial crisis not They're a lot usually, of people dropping um, a few million on an so usually, usually people who buy big boats and nice aeroplanes um, like to have a lot of money. And yep. uh, during 2007, 2008, there wasn't a lot of money around. So mm. that, the cause wasn't because of any problem with the aeroplane. The, prop, the aeroplane is absolutely fabulous. The problem was with the, uh, the world financial situation. Mm. And really this was the, the aircraft that you could say gave birth to the, to the VLJ uh, movement. Absolutely. And uh, the, the, the program that they're running over in the United States is with the, um, the, the ab initio pilots. They put a mentor pilot um, up the front with them for a number of hours to uh, make sure they've got the experience to um, operate at the higher levels. So a whole lot of uh, aviation medicine um, aspects that uh, now start applying as well with the, um, uh, the pressurised uh, cockpit, their need to carry um, oxygen. The, um, the, these are things which don't happen when you're down around 10,000 feet. Mm. But when you get up to 41,000, they're very, very uh, significant factors. But imagine also the workload like despite obviously you know you do have modern avionics and all that sort of thing but just in terms of staying ahead of the airplane and that sort of thing like for me as a uh, sort of a double digit very lapsed um, student pilot um, you know I imagine that that could present a challenge for people that are moving up from a single Yes, I, th- I think think you're right there, but it was exactly the opposite with me. I came from a background of Mirage and F-111s, and I just keep on trying to swing the wings back, and they don't go. Right, right. <laughs> well, I actually wanted to ask you a little bit about that, about your um, perspective with um, obviously having uh, flown some different types, and um, perhaps even tell us a bit about that background, and then how that how that does um, merge into what you're doing now. <laughs> Yeah, the, um, when, when I retired from the Air, the Air Force, uh, I still do some reserve work for them now, and I was asked by um, a gentleman who owns the aircraft whether I'd uh, come and fly for him as uh, my second pilot, and then um, I've just continued on in that. It's uh, sort of a part-time role. It's a um, almost a hobby. So it's, uh, it's a great um, gr- great career transition. Sounds like a, a pretty uh, enjoyable semi-retirement to me. <laughs> well, I haven't got too many complaints about it, that's no. for sure. Yeah. Um, and so um, as, a, as a corporate pilot for hire, what other types do you find yourself um, flying regularly? As a matter of fact, right now this is the only one, but I've got a CJ2 in the, the hangar beside. They're asking me to come and uh, fly that with them as well. And there's uh, some King Airs, which I'm endorsed on, which is uh, a likely transition for the, uh, for the future. But as I say, I, I have retired, and this is um, my, my aim is not to we work five or seven days a week. My re- plan is to work two or three days a week. Okay, so you don't want to, you don't want too many more phone calls. Uh, and this is obviously Mal's favourite jet. To fly <laughs> as well, so. Of course, of course. <laughs> In fact, I um, we. we 
we probably should talk about uh, some of the avionics in it. We know that the um, the Eclipse 550 is coming out with new avionics, but it's an extremely digital aeroplane. There's only about uh, 12 hard switches in it and uh, 10 real circuit breakers, and the rest of it's done through the computer system. Yep. It's uh, almost like a um, uh, an Airbus. So you, it's the uh, the young kids are really finding it easier to fly than the old and bolts. Okay. Just getting used to finding where things are on the computer screens is uh, the biggest uh, transition that right. I, that I found. So that if so if people have trained on on glass, then it's really more about learning the specifics of of this uh, work environment. Absolutely, that, that's exactly um, uh, what the important part of is about it is, and um, that's that transition into the uh, the new avionics and new way of doing business. And we notice now with all the uh, the light aircraft that people are training on, uh, they've all got glass cockpits as well. Yep, it's just the old people like myself who uh, <laughs> learned on the analog systems who uh, have a little bit more trouble transitioning across. Well, you seem to be doing okay on it now, so that's good. And the single stick mail, you... yeah, we should talk talk about that since yep. we haven't got a, a camera here. It's a, a side stick controller. Um, and it's uh, very easy to, um, to to use, very small throttles. Those of you guys who have flown in um, the King Airs and the, the Learjets and things remember how difficult it is to get in and out of the cockpit where you step over that centre console. Well, this is almost like stepping in the front seat of your uh, Honda Odyssey. It's, uh, it's an easy transition. The side stick controller, even though it's the left hand, is very, very easy to use um, and very functional. And are those, me- those controls are mechanically linked? Yes, they are. They're mechanically uh, linked controls, which I was very pleased about. I, I was always very worried about digital flight control systems when you can't have switch the magic off and uh, fly it by hand. Oh, well, they'll be here. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about the kinds of missions that this airplane would be useful for. The flying environment here is a bit different from in the States. Um, typically, the, the legs are probably longer that people want to fly. So how does that tend to work out? What's it useful for? Right. Talking to the, my friends over in the United States who fly them, they're, they're, I, I see it as being three major groups. And they almost split a third, a third, a third. There's those uh, general aviation pilots, often um, doctors and businessmen who um, want to transi- transition into an aircraft, which is a jet, gets along a bit quicker and um, and goes faster. And they become owner um, pilots. And sometimes they form a syndicate, three to five uh, people to, um, to operate it. The next group tend to be the um, the older retirees on the other end of the spectrum who um, don't want to get up front and don't want to drive the aeroplane and they put a, um, a corporate pilot, something like in the role that I do, to fly um, the gentleman and his wife or his CEO around. And the third group is pretty much uh, a mix between the two where we've got uh, someone who wants to fly but's finding it a bit stressful to uh, keep current with his current employment and um, and flying the aeroplane. So he wants sort of a safety pilot with him. He wants to do the stick and rudder but not the flight planning and if things get hard he wants to be able to hand over. I could handle so that. <laughs> so they're really the, uh, the, the three groups. Um, over here in Australia, which is one of the questions you ask, how would we use the aeroplane? Um, the way my, my boss uh, actually uses it, it's uh, far better for him to do um, all his businesses up the east coast of, uh, of Queensland by uh, flying up. He, we, we land at the secondary airports, his uh, managers there uh, pick him up, an hour later we'd be back on the aircraft flying down to the next port. So he does in a day, maybe a day and a half, what um, most people would do four or five days. So it saves him time and it saves him money. Another one of the uh, major um, uses is going into um, outback places like uh, Cowra or Roma where you might have a one service a day or two services a week and someone wants to go out there and do um, uh, repair a, a, uh, um, a problem in a mining piece of kit 
and you can get someone out there and back have the work done in half a day rather than having a, a week to do it. Right, and if they're getting a machine going that's producing millions of dollars uh, uh, a day or uh, or an hour worth of, uh, of product. Any uh, hour you can <laughs> save is probably a million. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And, I, and that's one of the, the key roles as I see it for this aircraft. Um, you know, the, uh, the executive who wants to uh, do things quickly in and out of um, various stations that he's got, and those people are flying into out-of-way places. Unfortunately, the aircraft doesn't have a, um, a dirt strip capability, so we need to go into the more major areas. But that's usually where businessmen go to. Right. It's not the aircraft for the uh, the grazier who's going to chase his cattle around right. the, uh, the yard. It's the, the aircraft for the businessman who's going into established country towns and um, uh, coastal towns. So anywhere that's paved uh, is not going to have a strip length uh, issue for you then? No, if anything that's over uh, 3,000 foot is, uh, okay. is good for us, and most, most towns have got that, uh, that, that size strip. It's about uh, 2,400, 2,500 takeoff distance and about 2,700 uh, landing distance. Okay. I bet it turns a few heads around the place. You don't see many of them, so compared to a, a Lear or a Citation or something? It's interesting. You came across and uh, wanted to ask questions. You hadn't seen it. Every time I land somewhere, someone comes up and asks questions about uh, how, how the aircraft is. They want to have a look through it and say, oh, it's a very tidy cockpit. It's not really like that. <laughs> there you go. So perhaps not... Not for the um, executive who is um, attention shy. Oh, <laughs> well, they can leave you to handle that side of it, and they can disappear. I guess from uh, from our point of view, in talking about missions, marketing the aircraft is very much what Mal said. We're looking for the the owner pilot, those who want to upgrade into a very inexpensive and economical jet, mm-hmm. um, and those who can who can use it to take what takes five days into one or two mm. so I guess there is a market along the east coast of Australia and in northern parts of western Australia and mm-hmm. western Australia as a state in a whole mm. so well uh, talking about the economics um, I guess people who are looking at buying this would be looking at uh, either the either turboprops or um, other light jets so how does it um, stack up no, too hard. <laughs> no, the, no, you've got all the ta- you've got all the tables there, but we don't have to um, drown in that. It, just as a, a rough rule of thumb, that this is probably the most economical, um, and I think the um, the marketing is is the most environmental friendly um, aircraft that's around. Right, they're uh, very small um, uh, turbojet engines. It mm-hmm. um, runs on the smell, smell of an oily rag. Right. Quite, quite well, you talked old. about the glide before as well. Is it, is it a very slippery aeroplane? It is very. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's got to be a, f- a fuel consumption benefit. Oh, it, it, is, it is indeed. Um, uh, once you get up to um, 30,000 feet, the, the fuel consumption falls right off up to 41,000 feet. Um, it comes off as well. One of the trade-offs that we actually use when we're flying it is um, we have basically two power settings. We have the long-range cruise, which gives you the more economy and the, uh, the greater range, and the, um, the max continuous thrust. The way we operate it, we tend to go around at the max continuous thrust because you pay for the engine hours as well. So unless you really need the range, you're better off going um, going faster. Right. So the fuel saving is a false economy. It's more just absolutely. While the fuel the fuel range. price is what it is right now, yeah. but if the fuel price goes up to um, four dollars a litre or something, okay. then that could change the. Um, Situation. Uh, the Eclipse, the Eclipse website and the Airflight website have the comparisons in in terms of economics, fuel load, mm. payload. Okay. Um, and I, I'd request any of your um, listeners to yep. to check that out. www.airflight.com.au. Okay. Good. Um, something popped into my head and popped out again. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, on the topic of, of range and extending range, um, so what is the, the typical range once you've got a, a couple of folks and their, their luggage on board? 
Um, we would usually fly around with um, three or four people on board, the pilot plus um, plus three, and um, I typically like flying out around not not further than about 700 miles. I know we'll go out to 1,100, but you're slowing down um, uh, for that. And every extra passenger you put on, you're really taking 200 pound of fuel off, and it's only got 1,700 pound of fuel on board. So um, that's actually a significant um, reduction in your range. So go, going around um, uh, four people, uh, the, the pilot plus uh, three is a um, is a good number. Okay. What would that compare to another aircraft mount? Um, certainly, uh, as far as the range for something like the uh, the Mustang or the CJ1, they're very, very um, comparable. Uh, this gets along a little bit quicker than the um, uh, than the Mustang, and certainly is much uh, lo- lower fuel consumption. It's much more slippery, um, slippery airplane. Okay. I see this. This, um, uh, as I was saying earlier, uh, 2007 is very, very unfortunate. They uh, they launched the aircraft at that time and uh, hit the global financial crisis. Bill Gates put a lot of time and effort into this. Uh, Bert Rutan, the, you look at the design of this back out of the late 90s, um, uh, put a phenomenal amount of work into it. I think they would be extremely pleased now to see their baby really getting reborn into um, something that's worthwhile. I guess that's why Eclipse Aerospace believed in the product and believed in the in the airframe and have relaunched the, the Eclipse 550 as Eclipse Aerospace. Um, you know, United Technologies being involved, obviously the names that Mal has said see this as a as a project that is very successful. It's well, a significant investment is. for them, so um, they obviously have some confidence and, in it as well. <laughs> and we believe in it in Australia as well. So, Good. Well, thanks very much, gentlemen. Is there anything that we missed? Um, I'd just like to say, you know... It's a um, it's a very good aeroplane at a very very reasonable price. Um, I would see in Australia in the not too distant future a number of syndicates being um, being formed where um, maybe we have uh, doctors and miners and a few CEOs who um, get the high utilisation out of the um, out of the aircraft just by sharing the time. And I've got quite a few friends over in the states, and that's how how they operate it. Sometimes they're not even in the same capital city; they just employ someone to move the aircraft around. As say uh, doctors flying down to um, conferences, uh, businessmen flying out to different areas. Right. As long as the so group wasn't too I, large, they could. I would see um, around two to three yeah. people in a syndicate as being um, an ideal solution. Mm-hmm. And when you look at um, the cost of a uh, a baron these days, uh, three people in a syndicate. I know which I'd prefer to fly, and I think <laughs> this little Eclipse is a lovely aeroplane to be, be with. Very good. We're looking at about 2.7 million US to mm-hmm. purchase, mm-hmm. Um, and that's not being delivered in Australia. But outright purchase about 2.7 million, which I think for a jet is and the economies that it does receive is very good. Very so. competitive, yeah. Thanks very much, gentlemen. And of course, if people want to know more, they can uh, go to the Airflight website. Stephen, great to talk to you. As Thank always, you, we'll bump into you next time. Cheers. <laughs> Plan your flight, fly your plan with Oz Runways. Oz Runways turns any iPad or iPhone into a full-featured moving map GPS complete with all the official Australian aviation charts. Oz Runways makes the task of creating and submitting a flight plan a breeze and can be a great tool for improving situational awareness en route. Annual subscriptions start at only $74.99, so get your copy today. For your free one-month trial, search for Oz Runways EFB in the iTunes store or visit ozrunways.com. Oz Runways. Know where you're going. PCDU's Avalon 2013 series is brought to you by Avplan. Get more for your EFB. avsoft.com.au Classic Flight Bag. 
For those who identify the sky as their office, grab your bag and go. Classicflightbag.com. Sennheiser. Sennheiser S1 Digital, the quiet revolution in aviation headsets. World Flight Planner. Plan your flight like a pro and get worldwide coverage with World Flight Planner. Worldflightplanner.com. Eco 2000 Zoc 27 Gas Turbine Cleaner. Shaping the future of gas turbine washing. And Red Baron Adventures. Redbaron.com.au. Want something different to talk about on Monday? Get yourself a Jet Ride gift pack and tear through the skies at 900 k's with Australia's ultimate jet fighter experience. Be top gun for the day. Go to jetride.com.au slash PCDU or in Australia call 1300 554 876. Matt, I understand you've got a uh, all new display that's uh, slightly more intense than last Avalon. Yeah, so I've um, been flying um, the the Avalon 2011 routine. It's been basically what I've used uh, bits and pieces of that throughout the last two years. Uh, you know, slight modifications here and there. Uh, and so for Avalon 2013, because it is such a special aviation event, uh, we decided that's where you know, for the last six months we've been thinking that is where we'll you know, unveil the the next generation of display from uh, from our stable. So um, I've been I've been experimenting with new manoeuvres and uh, new things here and there. And for the last six months, I've been just just putting together little packages of of, of uh, little sequences. You know, so like two or two figure sequences together, just to see what worked and what didn't. And um, and so for the last uh, month or two out at uh, just south of Maitland in the Hunter Valley, I've been I've been uh, putting together the routine uh, in a fairly aggressive fashion. And uh, and I'm pretty happy with what we've come up with. It's uh, it's, it's uh, a bit unique, I think. So I'm pretty interested to uh, to get out there. And, uh, and see how people like it. Excellent. So, uh, what's some of the changes? You were using the word aggressive there. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, so yeah, it's a very, very strong aircraft. My, uh, the the race plane and uh, the previous displays I was doing, uh, I was really uh, coming out of racing and I was just really just showcasing the racing manoeuvres, but also just putting uh, you know, some big verticals in there. And uh, but it was a very high speed, high energy display. So the the crowd loved that. So we kept um, still kept a lot of high speed, high energy stuff, and uh, the crowd also loved the. High Hovering, so we've put a couple, uh, you know, some some more hovering in there, just because it you know, catches people's attention. But uh, what I decided to do is to explore the aircraft's um, ability uh, to yaw and pitch. So I've always done lots of you know, rolling and some tumbling in there. Uh, so this time we've got a lot more yawing and pitching. And what I mean by that is uh, cobra manoeuvres in pitch. So doing uh, both positive and negative uh, uh, cobras. And at one stage I'll do a uh, reversing cobra where I'll, uh, in fact, a triple reverse where I'll go a full 90 degree positive cobra then into a a 270 degree negative cobra and then pitch that back into a vertical uh, positive cobra again so all, all in the space of about uh, 10 seconds I'll go through those three cobra manoeuvres so that's um, a lot of lot of pitch and yeah. you're just basically tumbling yeah it, all, if effectively and, uh, and one of those cobras uh, I'll go from about 45 nose up to uh, 90 degrees nose down in uh, in about uh, one second so uh, it uh, just breaks the air off the wings and uh, and the plane just pitches very very aggressively uh, and I'm also doing a lot of uh, a lot more yawing uh, type things as well just to the the plane's actually set up for racing still, so it's got a small rudder on it. Um, so, but it's pretty interesting to just demonstrate what this aircraft can do in your still. So, uh, one of the one of the things that's catching people's attention that I've shown is a um, a, uh, a reversing side slip where I'll come past the crowd line um, 
at uh, you know, around 200 knots. Um, and then uh, people, everyone's seen a side slip where you go sideways through the air with your nose up, whereas I'll do it uh, in the opposite direction where my nose is down and I'm side slipping. So I'm, I'm pointing at the ground, but uh, flying past the ground with my nose pointing at the ground, but flying sideways. So oh my God. it gets uh, gets everyone's attention. In fact, I Dave uh, Dave saw it for the first time yesterday. I landed and I said, so uh, you know, my, always my consideration when I land was, and someone's watching, was it safe and was it entertaining? I landed and he goes, Mate, I've never seen that before, and it didn't really look right when you're pointing at the ground at about 100 feet, but going sideways. I'm like, yep, that's that's uh, well, under- done. <laughs> okay, it was safe, and it definitely entertained you then. <laughs> so it, it gets people's attention that one, um, and then also uh, just yeah, just uh, some of the spaces where I used to fly. I'd fly a um, maybe for five seconds straight and level getting energy or repositioning and I'd just put some rolls in, whereas now I'll just do things like just kick a full boot each way and uh, and go through 90 degrees of yaw in each direction while 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 positioning back to crowd centre. <laughs> Fantastic. So what, what kind of stresses is that putting on the airframe? Like, you're, you're the really air, throwing it. Yeah, for the airframe it's fine because it's, uh, it's designed to pull... Um, 14 G's a standard and uh, up to uh, 25 G's what the wing's built for. Um, the, obviously in yaw you get a, you get different loads on the airframe. Uh, you've obviously got to pay particular attention to the canopy because it's getting side loads on it uh, and and obviously the, the rudder hinges and things like that to make sure that the, you know, because they're getting such big loads put on them when you're doing those things. Because we, it is new, we're actually I've just employed a, um, a full-time technician as well in the in uh, in the team. And while we started developing this routine, uh, we've basically been spending a lot of time looking at the aircraft. Every time I fly, we then go over the aircraft with a fine-tooth comb just to make sure that it's living up to its reputation of being a strong aircraft and, and looks uh, looks good. Um, we have found that I'm actually suffering a bit, that uh, you know, there's a lot of forces going on inside the cockpit, so uh, I do actually um, you know, end up quite battered and bruised after each flight. But, uh, yeah, we'll get through this week, and then you know, I've actually told the team, we'll get through this week, we'll fly the routine as I've planned it, and then after the end of this week, we'll then assess how's the airframe handling it. And if the airframe's fine, that's great. But more importantly, how am I handling it? If you find that yeah, I'm, I'm starting to suffer from it, well, then we'll back it off. And it'll turn out that, hey, that was the Avalon routine. And now we'll go back to something a bit uh, less less aggressive. <laughs> yeah, because uh, as you've mentioned in your book, you've you've gone through quite a bit surgically uh, with all the G-forces through the, um, the RAF uh, combat flying and also the, the uh, air race and, and general aerobatic displays. So are you keeping a very close eye on this with doctors and things like that? Yeah, we, we are spending a lot of time um, yeah, monitoring my health um, because it is something different. We're, yeah, we're reasonably hopeful that uh, racing is, uh, is is not in the... You know, we're always saying yeah, racing up too far away, but um, yeah, we're once again getting some fairly solid indications about that. So uh, what I don't want to do is um, remove my ability to race by doing a show. So uh, I'm obviously here to... Uh, to to uh, you know, to entertain the crowd at uh, the Avalon Air Show, but uh, we've we've also got to make sure that um, it that's not my sole focus uh, for the future. And 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 with everything I do, in the end, I've got a long life ahead of me, and nothing is worth injuring myself for the rest of my life. So um, so we're, we're spending a lot of time just uh, you know I'm doing a lot of stretching and a lot of exercise, um, and we're you know we're trying to actually reduce my workload whenever I'm doing displays, just so we can really make sure that I'm I'm super healthy. Yeah all you're doing is focusing solely on the display and not on all the other things that get in the way. Exactly. I've learned yeah. that lesson before. Read the book and you'll find something about that. <laughs> yeah, and I think we've spoken about that in the past. Yeah, certain, exactly. Uh, you know, walking on water and yeah, things a bit like of a, that. bit of a drive-through car wash for the plane. I wouldn't <laughs> recommend it. Yeah, not a good look. <laughs> Matt, thanks very much. Really Pleasure. appreciate the chat. No problems. Cheers. 
It's an Avalon. It's 2013. There's uh, jet noise in the background, and it wouldn't be the same if we weren't doing Timbo's tarmac. Mate, how are you? Uh, wet in here the last today, but, uh, yeah, we're ready to go again and uh, all shape it up to be another good one, we hope. Excellent. Uh, I think last time we caught up with you was at Tyab. Yeah, yeah, we did that one. We seem to get one a year, but uh, yeah. it's uh, Avalon and it's uh, an extended session, whereas uh, Tyab is just a one-day affair. Well, mate, we're standing here. We're under the wing of the only thing on your tarmac. Well, okay, there's two jet aircraft on your tarmac. But the real one here is the uh, Canberra bomber. Yep, that's our, uh, this is the one we pulled out from the front gate last show. So she's around here this time so we can uh, get people having a better look at her. Yeah, now I understand you were involved in uh, bringing back up to us, uh, like, looking okay with a cosmetic approach? Uh, yeah, there was a lot of sanding, a lot of lying down underneath that bomb bay to sand things down. And then uh, good old coat of Dulux weather shield made it look pretty. <laughs> Not good for flying, but good for keeping her nice and clean on the uh, static. Well, that's it. It looks good and it protects her a bit, so that's all it needed to do. Now, Timbo, I understand uh, you were one of the many folks here who got to watch the uh, F-22 practice the other day. We did see that on uh, Sunday, uh, and yeah, people are coming down. can highly recommend watching that fly because some of those things it does is just crazy. Yeah, it's sort of the things you might see uh, uh, like Matt Hall or Chris Baru or some of the guys doing in uh, aerobatic prop-powered aircraft, but it's doing it with a couple of dirty great jets, right? It's a couple of things that I think even Chris couldn't probably do. <laughs> oh, gauntlet, smack. A, a flat spin from height is, uh, is pretty good to watch. Yeah, no, I'd agree on that. I'm looking forward to seeing it. Yep. So uh, what's uh, what's on the uh, <clears throat> sheet for uh, what's coming in? Uh, well, I've got two, but we're hiding them up the top because of the weather. We're expecting uh, some more overnight. So the uh, the boomerang and the Spitfire arrive from tomorrow yep. afternoon. Watch them and, come in. And uh, the rest of the air... Most of the stuff will arrive on Thursday for me. Okay. So uh, what have they got you busy doing? Is it just mostly uh, helping out as required when the things are going around the uh, loop and so on? We run around everywhere as required until we uh, get busy over here. So our boys have been covering the whole field from top to bottom. Oh, mate, good to hear that you guys are getting some exercise. Well, putting some miles on the golf buggy anyway. <laughs> That's right. I forgot that they give you a golf buggy now. Last time I was out here, I had to go run from end to end. No, no, golf buggy. It's the only way to get around. <laughs> Okay, mate. Well, uh, we're going to be coming back and seeing you uh, each day of the uh, show, so I'm sorry to uh, have to do that to you again. But you'll be able to brag about what you got on your tarmac. We can survive. We'll get by. We'll, uh, we'll accommodate you. Thanks, mate. We'll see you tomorrow. Very good. Thanks, Grant. It's right. another Avalon, and it's uh, another in the keyhole with Papa Smurf. How you doing, Papa Smurf? Not too bad. That's yeah, good. Very good, in fact. So, first trade day, just coming to a close. How's it been for you, the build-up to it, getting to here? Oh, it's built up fairly slowly, as it usually does. It gets more hectic as the week goes on. Well, we've got a pretty multicultural you know, group. We've got the Aussie C-17, we've got the Japanese, K, what is that, a KC-40 they're calling that? No, it's KC-767? A, it's a 767. Yeah, the KC-767. KC-767. We've got a B-52, I didn't think that would fit in. And a KC-135, that's not a bad start. And, uh, There's an, a KC-30A on the other side of the C-17 here from us. Yep, the new RAF tanker. Yeah. And down the other end we have a CASA 235 from the French Army de l'Air. Yeah, that's, I had no C-27, but the 235's here. Yep. I believe the Yanks are going to bring in a C-17 as well at some point. Yeah, there's one down the other end at the moment. Down in Siberia? Uh, yeah, it should be doing a uh, demo this oh, afternoon. Okay. Check that. There's another one coming that, uh, as far as I know, will be on display. Okay. So, there's a, so we've got a, a C-17 down in uh, Siberia and another yep. one's coming, yeah? Yeah. And at the moment, the Super Hornet's getting ready to launch. Yep. Well, they call it the Super Hornet, but the Air Force call it the Rhino. Yeah. And that's him about to go. 
it's going to get a little bit noisy. Just a tad. Well, he's got someone in the back, so I don't think he's doing the demo, I th uh, the, yeah. the display. He's just doing a demo. It, it's a demo. They're a yeah. twin seater. Yeah. The bloke in the back's a weapons officer. But So do they actually have two on board when they do the yeah. uh, air yeah. display? Oh, okay. Yeah. They fly with them all the time. Okay. Didn't realise that was uh, part of the air display. I thought it would be a single operator for that. Oh, no. no okay. But I dare say at some stage they probably will be taking other people up for rides, oh, military yeah. people. Yeah, we dream. Okay, well, uh, as you can hear, it's pretty noisy with the rhino throwing itself around, being super. So, uh, it certainly is, and it's going to get noisier. Excellent, just what we like. Well, mate, we'll come back and see you during the week. Okay, I'll be around. You know where to find me. Oh, yeah, just in the keyhole. <laughs> Thanks, Papa Smurf. Okay, Grant, I've been walking around Avalon all day today, and I have not seen anybody who resembles Papa Smurf. Well, it hasn't been cold enough for most of the ground operations guys to turn blue, but uh, you know, it all has to do with call signs and the handles that uh, anyone working tarmac long enough, generally on your first session, unless you really stuff something up, you don't normally get a handle. But uh, by the time you've done two or three Avalons, uh, everyone's generally given you a, a handle. Although uh, our good friend ATC Ben, who's here, you pretty much got your handle, was it your, f no, it would have been your second Avalon. It that was the second show that I got yeah. stuck with what I've got. And, and and what is that, by the way, there, Ben? I am known as Veggie in the air show world. Now, if you know, of course, <laughs> now, now Grant has actually known uh, has known ATC Ben for a lot longer than any of the rest of us, and that's because they've worked together in previous years. And uh, if you listen to, uh, it may even be in a lot of our takes, anytime you're on the show, you'll every now and again, Grant will slip and call you Veggie. Yeah. And you just got to catch it. Oh. I think I was partially responsible for you getting that title. Yes, I believe it was. And um, if anyone is thinking that I am a veg, you know, I'm called veggie because I'm a vegetarian. No, I'm not. <laughs> it was just a, it was an unfortunate catering incident at a previous <laughs> air show. Yes, <laughs> an accident with a caterer. And a, anyhow, <laughs> so, well, fair uh, enough. We'll leave that, it at that, that. That's for the PCDU that's, after dark edition. And that's that's how people like Papa Smurf, Taffy, uh, Timbo, and everyone else gets their names. It's not always a, an Australianism of the their first name or anything like that. I mean, one of the ladies is referred to as Magnet, and that's because she keeps attracting males out on the uh, tarmac, it seems. Yeah? So, yeah, there's yeah. all sorts of names. It gets quite entertaining with uh, people. Yeah. I, we, get, we, we get new tarmac ops controllers, and they, they go by the official call sign list that is in the book. Blue leader, uh, blue leader. Yeah, so they, and they call these people, and they never respond. And then one of the more senior people taps up on the shoulder and goes, yeah, that's not going to work. No, you're try, try, try their actual call sign. And try you might, GT, you might get try farmer, try bandit. <laughs> that's right, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's a very interesting world out there when you get out and when uh, mix with the guys out there on the ramp, but they always do a fantastic job. And, uh, and really, they couldn't do the air show without these guys volunteering volunteering and, uh, you know, their efforts to make sure that all the aircraft are marshaled and put away safely. And uh, I guess they get together and do strange things in between, like make up weird sorts of uh, uh, nicknames for each other. Uh, that often form uh, in the uh, end of day or especially the end of show uh, relaxation sessions with adult beverages. Now, a couple of interesting uh, announcements were made today uh, at the opening ceremony. Uh, of course, the Defence Minister Stephen Smith was there amongst many, many others. And uh, he made an interesting announcement here that the KC-30A tanker has, uh, has achieved its initial uh, operating capability, IOC. Uh, so that means it can go out there and it can do refuelling operations now with the probe and drogue, but not with the boom. So that's, so that's still got some development work to go. But uh, guys, I guess so. I can tell you all about that after tomorrow's activity because uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. oh dear, you'd reckon you'd sat in the pilot seat of a B fifty two. Well, I don't know about that, but I am going up for a ride with the Air Force tomorrow in the KC thirty A, and I'll get as much video as I can. You know, I'll probably get some 
great vision of my colleagues here waving at me as we depart down the runway. I'm sure yeah. they'll be waving. Yeah, yeah. You may not Very be. Uh, so. Come on, guys. Yeah. May not be Get waves around. that you can uh, show mum, but um, <laughs> yeah, I think there's going to be lots of video of, of Steve in front of a window with an F-18 just outside as he goes, "Hi, yeah, that's yeah, exactly look at me, right. look where I am, guys." Tweet, tweet. It is going to be awesome, and I was, uh, in fact, one, something I'd never really uh, contemplated much is at what sort of altitudes they do these sort of refueling uh, operations at. But uh, I'm guessing it's up in the flight levels, so. Uh, hopefully even if that cloud base comes back tomorrow and it stays low hopefully we can get up above it and uh, do the business well I'm just uh, trying to balance that out uh, I was very busy today organising a session in the morning tomorrow where while you're getting ready to do your KC30 stuff I'm going to be kicking back in the opulent luxury of the uh, Airbus corporate jet the ACJ319 319 that's uh, on the tarmac here oh well you'll, you'll be living in the lap of luxury mate yeah well I'm, I'm taking the infrequent one along and uh, we're going to check out how he looks in his new lounge. I'm quite looking forward to it too, Grant, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> it's certainly an improvement on this joint, the sandpit that we're staying at. <laughs> well, it's uh, it's the uh, more aptly named part of town. Uh, it's the house that we're renting for the whole team, isn't it, mate? Just a few kilometres outside of Geelong. And uh, i tell you what it is nice. Uh, anybody that uh, saw Grant and I struggling back up the Geelong freeway after the last uh, Avalon uh, with my head oh, I was, was going to say, you, you, you actually meant, meant saw Grant and a guy with a head stuck under his towel That's working right. on a laptop. <laughs> <laughs> so trying to see the screen that was yeah, going I'm sure it looked hilarious but uh, no we were doing it a bit better this year and it's all thanks to our wonderful sponsors and we thank them all for uh, coming on board here and uh, helping us to uh, present uh, this uh, program for you over the course of the week so uh, I guess well, that'll uh, wrap up uh, this one episode 101 our first of the uh, Avalon 2013 series thanks very much for listening we hope you enjoyed this rather brief show and uh, we're going to have a lot of uh, content for you this week stick with us follow Avalon13 uh, as the hashtag on Twitter and uh, of course that takes in everybody that's uh, tweeting about Avalon not just us and uh, make sure you uh, keep an eye on our video channel as well we've got uh, plenty of content there Stephen Pam uh, and all the video guys here ATC Ben are working very very hard to uh, to get uh, lots of uh, lots more video content uh, compared to the last Avalon so uh, it should be a great week yeah we're really looking forward to it especially if the weather does improve as expected fantastic that's episode 101 done with we'll talk to you tomorrow for episode 102 cheers see you folks you have been listening to Plane Crazy Down Under's Avalon 2013 series. Look for our video coverage on our YouTube channel, YouTube slash Plane Crazy Down Under, and follow all the Avalon action on Twitter at the hashtag Avalon13. Contact us anytime with feedback, suggestions, or advertising inquiries at planecrazydownunder at gmail.com. Plane Crazy Down Under is a Southern Skies online media podcast. <laughs>